0: This is The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, where you'll hear about many aspects of law in England and Wales, with special guests, industry experts, and local charities. Here's your host, Amanda Jones.
1: Hello and welcome to Season 3 of The Legal Lounge. If you haven't heard the shows in the first and second seasons, there's plenty of content worth a listen, with conversations and advice about divorce, injury claims and business partnerships. There are also some excellent episodes where you'll hear from local charities and learn about the amazing work they do. You can listen to these shows on your podcast app or by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, Nick Playford and Stephen Caulfield from the Agricultural team explain what should be covered in a partnership agreement. What happens if the partnership suddenly ends, how to handle those with a lesser interest in the business and how to deal with new members of the partnership.
2: This is Stephen Caulfield, together with my colleague Nick Playford, who's sitting here. And today we're going to talk about farming partnerships. Now, partnerships in business aren't just applicable to farming. There's a much wider spectrum where individuals come together to form a business and trade in many ways. The one difference for farming is it's all members of the family who are involved quite often and the family dynamic brings other pressures to bear. In solicitous practices, for instance, there'll always be a partnership agreement designating how the partnership is run and what people can expect. And for most farmers now, that's the case. And with the law getting more complex and particularly tax getting more complex, it's better to uh, make sure there is a written partnership in place. The way we're going to go about this is, in a minute I'm going to read over to you a scenario where we've got some characters that we can play in our discussion involved in a farm. And uh, Nick's going to give an introduction to the way the law works on partnerships. And together we'll then look at clauses that you'd be wanting in an agreement to help the family run the farm and to deal with issues that arise from then on. So I'll start by introducing a scenario which we've used before based on the Larkin family and the Darling Buds of May I'm sure you'll all remember David Jason and Pam Ferris in the Darling Buds of May and Catherine Zeta-Jones and co in that family Pop Larkin is a, is a patriarch he runs the farm he, he owns it all he doesn't like putting anything into writing he isn't keen on solicitors and accountants I can't think why and he likes the taxman even less. He's therefore got his farming empire, but nothing very much in writing. Uh, he also likes to go to the pub on a Sunday it's for a couple of beers. I think it's called the Hare and Hounds, from what I remember. And uh, on the way back one summer's afternoon, he has a heart attack. Luckily, it's not a bad one, but it makes him realise he ought to look out for the future. So he talks to his two pals in the Pear and Hounds. Now, that's Nick Playford and Stephen Caulfield. Because we are regulars there, only once a week to discuss business, of course. And um, he said he'd like to have a meeting to get the ball rolling. So that's where I'm going to let Nick start the conversation on partnerships.
0: So as you've described, we, we have Pop, Ma, Mariette, Charlie, Montgomery, Petunia and Oscar all in the partnership together. I understand Pa has three more daughters, but they're they're doing other activities with their own husbands. So really, we've got quite a large partnership. I think one of the key things to note now is that without a written partnership agreement, the partnership as it exists is governed by the Partnership Act 1890. This act has actually stood the test of time pretty well, considering its age. But there are certain unfortunate scenarios which do occur as a result of the Partnership Act, which should really be avoided. One of these, of course, is if one partner leaves or retires or dies, the whole partnership comes to an end. So really, what we want to achieve now is a proper, correct, written a partnership agreement that should budget for all eventual—well, most eventualities in the future, but also should factor in what the partners want and what they're trying to achieve.
2: When we draft this agreement we'll be looking at ways that the parents can bring in the younger generation in different ways so you can move it through the generations without having to go back and do new documentation. And the other thing is how to satisfy the banks that there's things in place that can keep the business running in the event of the unfortunate event of a unforeseen death or retirement and things like that.
0: The banks aren't always up to speed with partnerships and in the event of a partner dying or retiring, more likely than not, I think it's fair to say that the bank will require a whole new set of documentation securing its legal charge. That's one of the key things about what we should achieve with a written partnership agreement, which might not otherwise be achieved. I'm not saying all banks require a whole new mortgage, but quite often that's the case. So a standard partnership agreement should really list all the partners, and here we have Quite a few, which might make things complicated later on, but we'll touch on that in a bit. It should set the purpose of the partnership out, which could be quite generic, such as general farming purposes. It should set out the commencement date, when the partnership starts. And it should set out the capital contributions and the current accounts of each partner as well. It should set out what happens to the profits and losses of the the business, and also drawings and holidays if the partners are lucky enough to get any holiday.
2: Some of these partnerships have been going on for 20 years already. Long periods of time on the books, but never in writing. So when you have a com- in p- partnership, it might not say the commencement date is now, it might simply refer to the fact it's a continuing partnership, I think.
0: Yes, that's correct. Again, often it's just important to document it, even if it's been ongoing for, for some time before the present day. So you're absolutely right. You can, you can, um, you can have it, commencing quite a long time before we write the agreement. I think the key thing is just to get it down in writing to to stop the Partnership Act 1890 coming into play, which causes the problems I mentioned. So the Partnership Agreement should set out the banking and insurance requirements for the partnership. And also it should set out meeting and voting rights as well. And of course, in this case, you need to be quite ruthless to some extent because it's not always going to be the case that all the partners, being so many of them, will agree on everything. So you need perhaps majority voting for some aspects and perhaps unanimous voting for the really important aspects. What I touched on before is that is, is really the key thing about this is the partnership agreement would provide for a partner leaving or a partner retiring, which is really important for the continuation of the farming business uh, going forward. And and doing this would not, not necessarily press the reset button on the whole thing
2: to emphasize that if if a partner dies retires um it becomes insolvent then the 1890 act would provide that the partnership has to be wound up and it it all goes back to zero
0: absolutely right and and often at a time of stress which those eventualities would be no doubt that's the last thing you want is, is is for the partnership just to end automatically as well
2: if it does end automatically there's got to be final accounts drawn up There might need to be sales of assets of the partnership in order to pay tax at that juncture, and the banking would need to be re-established otherwise to keep it going.
0: And again, the banks, although they always try to help, they they wouldn't necessarily want to proceed under the old legislation without a proper written partnership agreement, and they wouldn't necessarily have the authority to, to keep the lending going under that basis as well. So everything you say is correct in terms of the banks as well and really most banks now want a new partnership agreement drawn up when they lend to farming businesses just to make it absolutely clear that it's not governed by the partnership act of 1890.
2: Yes they're lending over say a period of 10 years or 20 years and they want to make sure the business has the best chance it's got to keep running in the when these adversities come along. So I've
0: tried to cover a bit in terms of what the partnership agreement would entail. Is, is it fair to say, Stephen, that that if Pop did pass away as a result of his heart attack, that you think the land within the partnership would be needed to be sold?
2: Well, in this case, it's in-hand farming land. So it would have probably 100% agricultural property relief, one would hope. We're not going to really get into what his will is going to say, but he'd want the business to keep on running. So he'd be looking at leaving his shares in the partnership to those that are surviving. The partnership agreement would hopefully have a clause in it, providing that in the event of Pop dying, the survivors would have the opportunity to buy out his share pro rata and buy it out over a period of time such as five years with instalments, so that they wouldn't be crippled having to, to find the money straight away to pay out all the beneficiaries, which would include three daughters who aren't in the business. So I think that's a clause you'd probably have in your partnership to deal with that aspect of it.
0: And I think also it would probably factor in everyone passing away, not just Pop, wouldn't True. it? Yes, um, every
2: partner. The other thing is if, you have a, a, if it's insolvency that's the problem, Pop was to uh, find he'd, he got himself into a bad venture, then the partners don't want the, the, the creditors to come along and damage the partnership so they could, they could um, have the opportunity of buying his share out. And
0: if pot were to go into a care home, would this have any effect on
2: that? He ceases to be a working farmer in the business, but he, he, he could still be on the books. But if he can't conduct his affairs, then I suppose it's in the hands of attorneys as to what happens with his share. But you'd have a provision, wouldn't you, providing that if, if a member of the partnership did go off the rails, that uh, you could arrange for them to be retired?
0: Absolutely. There's a standard partnership agreement of a good nature would have a sort of expulsion clause in that in that in that eventuality.
2: Sounds drastic, but it would be a way of coping with it.
0: I think it's drastic necessity Pop,
2: Pop wouldn't be at all happy with that. <laughs> no. Now looking at various specific aspects which might be of interest regarding partnerships in farming. Uh, Petunia's interest in the business as a partner has really only been looking after the bed and breakfasting in the farmhouse and the barn conversions and she only works two and a half to three days a week so in that case she it's probably not fair that she comes in as a full equity partner with the others.
0: Well I think the key thing is she doesn't need to I think it's important that her contribution and assistance to the partnership is recognised but her share of profits can reflect what she does in terms of the bed and breakfast and the barn conversions and um the partnership doesn't need to to really say what sort of full status she is she's a full partner in my opinion um, she just perhaps would would get less of a partnership share depending on her reduced contribution on a weekly
2: basis yeah she could probably have her usual expenses business expenses covered through the partnership in a full manner I would imagine absolutely right I think I think partnership agreement
0: is is probably. The right agreement for her even though she's done, doing something a little bit different within the farming partnership but the farming partnership as I mentioned would provide for this being part of a partnership activity on the farm.
2: Yes and all the money that she's generating from that is paid into the partnership pot anyway and the expenses of keeping it going come from the partnership pot although it's not directly agriculture. Oscar's the youngest and uh, he's uh, He's living in one of the cottages in the village, and this young lady's got keen on interest in him, but Ma and Pa are pretty worried about uh, this lady being on the horizon, and uh, they're quite happy to see Oscar have his full share of the partnership, but worried to death she could run away with it. Um, So uh, how about bringing him in perhaps as a salaried partner or or, um, less than a full share equity partner? Any ideas on? how you might deal with that one at that particular time in his life.
0: What you suggest is an excellent idea. So a salary partner brings him into the business as a, as a partner, um, but with a well-structured partnership agreement, it will factor in the capital assets as, as well, such as the land and the buildings, and it may not be quite the right time for him to have too much of a share in those capital assets and the land. Again, really trying to safeguard against uh, an unhappy possibility, as you mentioned.
2: The the other one is, uh, of course, booze is very close to Pop's heart, uh, understandably. And uh, Mariette and Charlie set up this microbrewery in the the barns at the second farm. Obviously, it's, it's, it's quite a consumer risk selling to large members of the public. And I was just thinking that instead of that being run by the partnership with all the individual risks that could come back and land on, then would it be useful to have a a limited company owned by the partnership and run the um, microbrewery through that with them all having shareholdings in it?
0: The first thing to say is what an excellent idea this is. and
2: um, Actually brewing, yes, I I agree too.
0: (laughs) Farm diversification is seen as his absolute strength with this scenario. I would perhaps agree with you and and have a separate limited company to, to run the brewery and I'd perhaps even go as far as not having it being owned by the partnership and just keep it completely separate in terms of future liabilities and risk. The limited company would would include the, the physical brewery as
2: well, in, in my opinion. You might put the land in as well. To start, we we'll see how it goes with a lease perhaps for a while and then yes. transfer the land in later on if it's working well. But I'm really trying to avoid product liability on the individuals.
0: Then a separate company would be the best way of doing that. If you consider that, it's not particularly fair on the other partners when they've got no no particular knowledge of the brewing aspect.
2: Yes, that's interesting because at the moment it's a, the partnership that's paid its way from all of the partners to set this thing up. It just happens to be Mariette and Charlie who are running it, so there might have to be some discussions within the family there as to whether that needs to be hived off.
0: A well-written partnership agreement should also budget for new partners coming in without completely
2: upsetting the existing arrangements. And coming in from a low capital base where they haven't got the money to put in in one go to start with. The beauty of the partnership agreement is you don't need any capital
0: to to be a partner, but you can still have a say in the governing of the the farming partnership going forward.
2: Yes, and for young partners, they don't take out their full drawings quite often, so they can start building up a capital account. Very wise. You might start them off on a salaried line in their earlier years, salaried partner line, so they draw a salary instead of getting share of profits. They get their expenses out of the business, and then as time goes by, they go into start moving into equity, having a share in the drawings. But once they, once they become a salaried partner, they are liable for the as full partners for losses of the business.
0: And that's also a worry if you have a big mortgage to pay off.
2: Yes, they'll, they'll be liable for that.
0: But I think the key thing is to get them in at an early stage, as you say, with a salary. And then they become, they they start to own the part of what's happening and be part of future decisions and and, um, get them involved from a young age rather than the older generation holding all the strings. And and, um, often we see poor communication.
2: You should remind me about who's got the signatures on the checkbooks. Because usually if you've got equity partners, there'll be some provision that at least two of them must sign or something like that with certain limits, the total sums of checks being written. So a salary partner probably wouldn't get their name on that, but the equity partners, that would that would be the case.
0: There is a hierarchy as well within the family often, and um, the more junior partners wouldn't really want to be part of the cheque signing process anyway, and and they would just leave it.
2: I do know cases where the um, lads in the 50s aren't considered old enough to sign the cheque book yet. Those are thankfully few and far between these days.
0: But do you think they're they're more few and far between by greater communication and willingness to accept help from the younger generation?
2: It is the case. I think it's worked, but the younger ones expect expect when the older ones understand times are changing
0: and they've also had a different educational background as well bringing new innovative ideas to the partnership which I when I see family farms in action the older generation are often keen to to try and go with some of these innovative ideas and, and bring them to the going forward of the business yeah, I think some of the
2: older ones are very pleased the youngsters have got the grasp on the IT
0: and again IT is important when you consider things like your solar farms and things like that, whether so everything's available on the, on, on the phone app.
2: Just one other thing before I forget that whenever we're discussing the putting together of a partnership agreement, we do work closely with the accountants because they've been involved with the books often for you know, two decades or more. And it's important what we put in the partnership agreement ties in with what's already in the books.
0: Absolutely right, Stephen. And I think discussion is the key amongst any farming family to, to try and discuss these aspects. And make sure there's a clear pathway for the future.
2: By way of conclusion, I think the hare and hounds are still open. So, how about going down for a point?
0: Sounds great, Stephen.
1: Thanks to Stephen and Nick for lending their expertise. More proof that lawyers don't bite. If you need legal help from either of them, please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk. If you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialist for an upcoming episode, please let me know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversations helpful, please remember to follow, review and share the episodes. And don't forget to go back and check out some of the shows from the other seasons. Speak to you soon.
2: That was The Legal Lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors.
0: Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please
2: do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.